You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture and all things related to it. New episodes are released daily. For more information, check out glossahouse.com and subscribe to our channels on Spotify and YouTube. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Uh, I want to welcome you back to Holy Expansive Love podcast. We are uh, Fred Long here with Pat Holly, a good friend, and we are committed to going on a journey to talk about one of the most important things in the universe uh, that we all long for. We all have a sense that it's important. Tons of songs and poems mm-hmm. and thoughts and 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 tears have been shed over this idea of love and, and what is love. Um, mm. Love is all important. And yet it seems like if we don't get the definition right and our understanding right, that will be just, will be a little bit off <laughs> and we'll be <laughs> satisfied. Um, and I think we find ourselves off. Um, love is very nuanced, is it not? It's very nuanced. Yeah. Very nuanced. Yeah. If it were that easy, uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be so frustrated about it. And yet I think yeah. it's a common experience that we're frustrated with our relationships. We're frustrated with ourselves. Uh, we don't know how to respond to things. We try to fix things. We can't. Uh, and so we're entangled in, in things and, and light we're enmeshed and entangled. Uh, we find ourselves in relationships. We feel like we're limping along, uh, putting up with, uh, we're dissatisfied. And so this is the human condition. Welcome to being a human. If this you identify mm-hmm. with these things, you're one of us. Uh, we're one with you. We're all one mm-hmm. with in this struggle. And God has made us with the capacity for love and to love. And so we... We need some help. We, we need some help. God came to help us, to save us, um, save us from ourselves in, in certain respects and save us for ourselves um, to really set us free, uh, to be, to flourish. I think God wants us to flourish. Like he wants us to kind of be happy in a sense, but it, in, not in a, in a trite way, but in a, in a deeply fulfilling way to experience great joy and and compassion and to expansively to reach out to others in a way that is freeing and um, mm. dignifying. Mm. Uh, so anyway, um, last time we, we talked, Pat introduced the idea of, of systems theory uh, as as a model to kind of look at this idea of love and and um and and so I, we thought it might be good to have him just expand on that a bit more um and 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 some of the ways that we get maybe entangled yeah and, and frustrated and and what systems theory might help us to understand and in, in that regard in terms of of love yeah definitely the framework that i i like to use myself is you could you could use two two cat two um 
two sets of frameworks. One is, is this differentiated unity, which is rooted in the Trinity. Differentiated persons who are not needy toward each other, but are connected still uh, out of this self-giving uh, love, of giving and receiving love. Differentiated unity is at the root of systems theory, and from my perspective, is really rooted in, in uh, Trinitarian theology. The two enemies of differentiation and unity uh, also correlate with those two concepts. One is entanglement. If you emphasize the connectivity of a relationship, for instance, the unity of a relationship at the expense of differentiation, you would have entanglement where my well-being is all entangled with the well-being of somebody else, excuse me, with somebody else's choices or something. I could even have an entangled relationship with alcohol or with, with uh, 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 some kind of hobby or, or a person or anything. Um, the, the other error is to go on the other side where the, the differentiated piece is emphasized at the expense of connectivity which we would call rejection, basically all out, all out rejection. And so my view, my, my take on theology is that God never rejects us, even when he has to be separated from us and we lose um, immediate access to him. He's always loving us, even in our disconnected from us. So he, he never rejects us, even when we're apart from one another because of our own choices. He's always still in loving relationship with us, even from that distant perspective. And so, I think the way to look at our relationships is to is to look at ourselves. Do we have a differentiated connection with the other person? Am I loving them from a place of neediness? Or on the other end of it, am I rejecting them too soon? Not giving them, excuse me, am I rejecting them at all? Not giving them an opportunity to um, to grow and develop as I'm connecting this relationship with them. Do I give up way too soon because I'm I'm afraid to, this is where I want to put the word expansive that you used, is, is that I'm maybe insulating myself from this other person because I don't want to take the risk of, of engaging that person. But I, but I think love does take the risk of being engaged in, so with somebody who's unloving and disrespectful. A healthy boundaries would only really come in when there's given time and opportunity for the other person to to make some changes and to and to be an, an equal partner in their relationship. So, but sometimes people will reject people too quick because, well, I don't like the way they're behaving, so they're out. No, that's not what love would do. Love would still invite that other person, still care for that person, even if I did end up needing to to end a relationship, end an abusive relationship. I'm still going to love that person from a distance. Um, so we have to keep the concept of differentiated love together. We can't put them in these these separate categories because those are the enemies. Entanglement and rejection are the enemies of, of love. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, and I think uh, it, it seems like it takes a lot of maturity to, and maybe some insight to do that. I mean, because when oh, we're yes. in like, um, the entanglement, like we get so close that that we can't really see properly. I think objectively, the the relationship, um, and in the you know one relationship, very significant relationship that I was in, um, I I was being cut off from other people as well. So I didn't have a perspective. So the other, I felt the other person was cutting me off from my own extended family and then friends. 
And so then you, you lose perspective because those other people, those other relationships would have kept some healthy distance and, 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 and would have said, wow, you know, that's, uh, you know, what's going on there is, is not right or, or, mm -hmm. or whatever. So I'm wondering if these relationships, the relationships that we find ourselves in, we, they, they become pretty insulated and it's kind of hard to see outside of it what's going on and, and yet we do need that perspective um and people without resources uh, i mean this stuff is very subtle and and our attachment to each other you know make can, makes us really close because we have these needs so it's very easy to get this entanglement happening um without even any decisions <laughs> seemingly it's not like we decide like oh i'm going to get entangled with this person yes exactly uh i mean it, there's some feeling good parts of that um yeah. but then there's just wonkiness that can start to happen and so we need perspective and this is where our relationship with with god he can provide and and the holy spirit can provide this alternative perspective but um you know an alternative voice and perspective uh but i, I think it can be tricky um this entanglement very, very tricky. Yeah. 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 What are other insights you might have? And then the rejection piece is kind of, is kind of a tricky one to me. Um, is, is, uh, if a person is rejecting another, does that rejection affect other parts of their lives? I mean, is, I can only imagine this, you know, I'm an introvert that a withdrawal, a rejection, is a withdrawal from different things or can there be like a selective withdrawal or i could imagine that either entanglement or or this withdrawal rejection it's it's going to cause us to be limping uh in our relationships mm -hmm. lopsidedly in some yes. way um how mm -hmm. does i guess i'd like to learn a little bit more about the rejection piece how does that play well, out yeah i'll give uh i'll give this is my perspective on like i think a healthy differentiated unity let's just say that if you have let's just say you have a relationship with somebody who's their own their relationship is totally disrespectful and unloving and even though you've confronted them and tried to lovingly give them opportunity to to recognize this terrible behavior that they're doing um how do you work through that? I think that Matthew 18 gives a really good example of not going to those either one of those two ditches of entanglement, enablement, or or just outright rejection. Because in Matthew 18, uh, the scripture says, you know, if, you, if your brother sins against you, go speak to him in private. And then if he listens to you, then you've won your brother. If not, then you go take two elders with you and 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 talk to him and if he if he listens great you've won your brother if not then others two others not elders two two others okay two others yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's good it's good to know actually um yeah. and then uh, tell it before the church and then if they um don't listen then treat them like tax collectors and gentiles which uh, my take on that is, is means there's this, there has to be this ultimate separation between the two. Um, and so it seems like what Matthew 18 does is that it doesn't just say, okay, well, this person sinned against me. 
hell with them, I'm done with them. No, they give they they lovingly come to them and saying, Hey, this thing that you do is hurtful. Can we talk this out? And then if they consistently uh reject that that loving um effort to try to get them to pay attention to what they're doing that's hurting the relationship, then there's this successive and progressive movement away to say, Hey, I I don't want us to not be connected, but this thing that you're doing is causing problems. We can't let their, I think the biblical language would be maybe unequally yoked. We can't be unequally yoked here. And so I love you. I want to be connected. However, I'm bringing two other people who love us in to, to talk this out. So can you, you know, get on board here? And then if not, then it goes to this extra level of this broader community that says, okay, we love you now, please, you know, listen to what your brother's saying, recognize what you're doing that's hurting. Um, and then in the end, if there is no no movement on that part, the loving thing to do is to say, I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go. I, and even then, I think that there's a red carpet laid out. When the changes are made and this acknowledgement is made, there's restorative justice there where you can be brought back in. Okay, I've acknowledged my wrong. The, uh, the loss of my community is tearing me up. I, I, I'm so sorry for what I did. And then there's there can be a restorative process of bringing back uh, together because this person has has changed. But you can see how we're not enmeshed with that person, meaning that we're not condoning what they did. And so therefore, we're just staying together in this unhealthy relationship. But we're also not just throwing them out. We're giving them time and opportunity with a community that loves them to give them an opportunity to be included. And then there is this ultimate separation if they don't. But even there, that's a loving separation. Boy, I love this person. I'm so sorry. I pray for you every day, but we can't be together. Um, so, but it still leaves that door open. So, give me, give me your thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I think uh, right away I was thinking about how messy this could be, or just difficult. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I don't. Which is think why I... people reject so quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah, or just that's... stay together in unhealthy relationships. For sure, those, those, so things, hard. those options are easier. To keep limping mm -hmm. along is mm -hmm. easier. and Or to outright reject is easier. The yeah. harder path is to is to work at these levels of, of confrontation, loving yes. confrontation, uh, involving yourself to them directly. And, and that that's hard because it, it, it causes us to be vulnerable. Yes. Uh, and and uh, it's maybe scary because we don't want to be rejected by yes. them. Yes. Enduring yes. The hurt. <clears throat> and then to involve other people. Um, I remember being told, you know, you're telling other people or, you know, what are you telling them or whatever. And so that's shamed and, and thought of to be wrong. But to involve other people is to, I mean, it can be, can give a person support. Um, but also perspective, like, am I seeing things correctly? And I think that's, that's why Matthew 18, the process does eventually involve others. And which is based on Deuteronomy. We're talking about, you know, confronting things with two or three witnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that can provide moral support, but also perspective. Mm -hmm. That's, that's. That's more involved. I mean, that's way trickier in a sense. And even you know? more risky because and will we, those two people really love both of us? Or are they going to yeah. take a side? 
Yeah, yeah. So which yeah, will they take one side or the other? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then to bring it, I mean, when you bring it in front of the assembly, I mean, at that level, it's very serious. Hmm. Uh, you know, everyone's going to know. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I think this is un- it's very uncomfortable. It's much easier to to do nothing, stay entangled, keep getting hurt and abused, or yes. to reject outright yes. and not have any hope or or sense of absolutely yeah so as you said that differentiated unity where you stay in the relationship with someone who and you're working at it necessarily requires a kind of suffering which i think is the cross is in some ways very indicative of someone who loved someone who didn't want to to be in relationship uh and loved us even either either way you know uh for jesus yes very simple Yes. Yeah. Gosh. So, yeah. So totally great. So I'm thinking of um, a couple of instances that would illustrate that in script, this kind of process in scripture. Uh, one is the prodigal son or, yeah. or say the disgruntled older brother parable, because the mm. parable seems to be more about the disgruntled older brother, or yeah. is it really, I mean, I think about the loving father, you know, yeah. so these are the three main characters, but if we just look at the loving father, he let the prodigal son go. So uh, he allowed that separation to take place. Now that son wanted to run. So his behavior was such that he brought physical distance to the father and the father let that allowed that to take place. Like, okay, you wanted to behave in this way yeah. You you feel like this is the right thing to do. And so wasn't entangled with the son, didn't say, Oh no, please, please yes, exactly. and, and yeah. we'll work this out. You know, don't do that. You know, I'll I'll give you this and that. Well, I mean, <clears throat> basically <clears throat> the father did give him his inheritance. But so the son ran off, but the love of the father stayed there, right? Because the father mm-hmm. was at the edge of his property and <laughs> awaited the, the, the return and hope. So Same I think that's a really profound model. So allow the separation, yeah. but also was willing to go his way to his to his part of it, but then didn't go beyond that. Yeah. So I think that's a an interesting example of allowing that. that distance, but then doing one's part to wait. And to be expectant, yeah. hopeful. I could imagine, you know, the story doesn't say what the father was doing, but I'd imagine as you walk out to the edge of your property and say, I wonder if my son will come back today, if that isn't a prayer, a prayerful posture. Yeah, 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 that's good. The other example is where Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 has to confront a sinful member of the congregation and maybe he skipped a step because he went right to the congregation step but you know so maybe we could evaluate paul what happened there but he basically says we have to hand this brother over like his his sleeping with his step uh mother is completely out of bounds i mean like this not even the gentiles do this sort of behavior this is unacceptable to them 
you all seem to be proud about it. I have to confront him in the assembly. So it seemed like like a very fast step went to the assembly mm. level. And he might have gotten a little bit of trouble for that. Although, um, you know, we don't know if there were other steps taken. Like, uh, he was getting reports from Chloe's household. So there might have been steps of confrontation. And then Paul just has to step in and do the communal. Yeah, they were just not reported to us. They were just not reported to us. <clears throat> but he had to come in and make that big step. And he says this. He goes, it's, we need to hand him over to Satan. Oops. Now, Satan... The word Satan means accuser. It's from the Aramaic. Um, and and so basically what's happening is is that there's a, a kind of an excommunication that's taking place. That this person is identified, he's done something wrong, he's unrepentant, and uh, we have to condemn this behavior. But the goal, he says, we hand him over to Satan that his spirit may be saved. So there's the love. The love. There's the love. Yeah. We want him to be well and to be saved. Yes. But we can't. That can't happen while he's acting arrogantly in this context, in this way. And in fact, he says, "A little yeast works through the dough." Like this has affected the community. Uh, the community is clearly affected, and so we have to separate from this behavior in, in this mm. pretty radical way. Now, I think. We don't know what happened exactly after that, but we do know that Paul brings up uh, a person that needs to be forgiven by the community. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I think he's dealing, he's, he's, he's talking about the follow-up to this person, that this person has caused grief to the community, but it's time to forgive him. And anyone that you forgive and I forgive and I forgive and we can forgive now and, and move on. So I think that's the the result of what happened after that mm -hmm. confrontation and excommunication. It did lead to uh, an, uh, an experience of forgiveness. So Second Corinthians chapter 2, I believe, speaks to that. That's good. I, I would say that, that probably the thing that I see the most in my counseling practices is that um is that couples will stay together um without the transformation uh without the so that yeah because then the, the kind of statements that i often hear are things like well you know jesus would want me to forgive yeah but we make a we have to make a distinction between forgiveness and, and reconciliation those are entirely two different animals yes of course we have to forgive it's unconditional we have to forgive but forgiveness is different from reconciliation um and so sometimes people will stay in these relationships and they say well the only way that i can love them is just to stay with them yeah. uh, even though their unloving disrespectful behavior is fully intact and unaccounted <laughs> for uh -huh. that would be I, certainly the intention in that is good. I see people wanting yeah. to be true to yeah. one another and to family and that yeah. love is coming from a good place and a good intention. They just don't understand the concept of holiness in the sense of differentiated love. I really am loving that person by letting them know they're going to lose me if they don't get a hold of that behavior that's that's so hurtful to themselves and to us and to our family. Yeah. Well, let's explore that more. 
next time. I mean, we're already up to our time, but there's so much to, to keep thinking mm -hmm. about. Yeah, uh, thanks stuff. everyone for listening and uh, please leave comments, questions. Uh, we want this to be practical. And uh, this is the hard work of life, honestly. Mm. We're really talking about the grammar of life, uh, mm. love, uh, and, and we can understand it. Uh, we need help uh, from the Lord, from God, from his spirit, and from one another, and also from, from people who, who've thought about this. And Pat brings a lot mm. of wisdom and counseling. I'll bring a scriptural perspective of, of Pat Will as well. And so, uh, anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, we look forward to having you listen and watch us next time. See you, Pat. All Take right, care, see you, Fred. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glowsahouse.com today. Glow's House language resources for the global community.